You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. My name is Kenny Zuchuku, and I'm one of the ministers here in the West Side Church. Thank you. Three of you, four of you, five, ten. Okay. Um, it's, it's so weird because this is, I grew up going to this church and we met here for years. And this is the first time that I've spoken on stage in over two years at this building. Isn't that, it's just so surreal. It feels weird. I remember the first sermon I ever did was right on this stage. And John and Francis were there and a bunch of people that I see in the crowd were there. And I remember thinking, this is the worst thing I've ever said, I've ever communicated. Because I was, I was running on adrenaline, right? But later on, I realized just the maturity and the time it's taken to build to where I am today. And I'm so grateful. A season of joy. I'm so grateful. Thank you for you all, all the people that have had to listen to probably some not-so-stellar sermons. I hope it will be much, much better. I want to bring up something that happened. Um, so I've been having lots of conversations with different people. And today I met up with this, this student. He's probably going to be mad at me for saying his name. His name is Daniel Chen. He's a Pepperdine student. We got, we grabbed breakfast. We had a great conversation. And as we were talking, I started realizing, wow, a lot of what I'm going to speak on today, he could, his life, his story of his life communicated that. And I, and I want you guys, as you're listening to the sermon, to think about how your life might be connected. And rather than thinking about how it's maybe someone else's journey, you know what I'm talking about? Perhaps my God might be speaking to you. And last, or yesterday, last evening, we had a baptism. And there's a picture of David Perong. So he got baptized. And again, it's another time when we're there, we're, it's, we're, we're, we're here to glorify God and to, to really commune with David. But as I'm listening to people sharing and as I see him get baptized, I start thinking about my own journey and what God has done in my life. And I was so convicted. It's so heartwarming. Today, we're going to be continuing our series on joy. And the title of my lesson is Foolish Joy, which might be controversial. Some people might be thinking, what, where is he going to get at today? And I promise we will get there. But Steve, start off the series with the, this passage in John chapter 15. It reads, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Complete joy. Do we believe it's possible? Do we think it can even happen? Jesus believed it. But what about us? Last week, Albert Sophia spoke, and they came up with this definition of joy, which I really appreciated. Joy is something grander than happiness. It's a fruit of the Spirit, and when we find joy, it's infused with comfort, 
and wrapped in peace. It's an attitude of the heart and spirit. And here's the, the part of it that I, I noticed last week, and we're, we're going to dive into this today. It's often synonymous with, but not limited to, following Christ and pursuing a Christian life. Do you guys catch that? It's subtle. They said it last week, and I was like, oh, snap. Meaning there's a different type of joy that we can be striving towards. There might be another type of joy that we think is the complete joy that Jesus promises us. So it got me wondering, what does this mean? Last week, I think it was Saturday or Friday, we went on a double date with uh, Marley and Seth. And we, we got some food at Kava, which is a restaurant, you know. Is it Kava? It's Kava, right? Uh, particularly for, it's really good for vegetarians, which I love. I love vegetarians. And we took the food to this drive-in movie, this drive-in movie place at Santa Monica Airport. So we sit there, we set up shop, and we have a car. There's a huge projector screen. And um, we get outside, we just start talking, we have a good time. And then the movie, you guys might have heard of it, it's called Home Alone. Have you guys heard of it? So as we're watching this movie, I just started thinking about, wow, there's a lot of dumb stuff in this thing. There's a lot of folly, there's a lot of foolishness in this movie, but it's so funny, right? If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. So there's this one scene that I was just like, I, I've got to show it so we can play the clip. Alrighty. So I remember watching this scene with them, and, uh, and I was just thinking, like, that is so dumb. Like, I, you know, because I've seen the movie before, right? And many of you guys have seen it. But sometimes you just laugh not realizing just the stupidity of things. And the foolishness in that whole movie was just like, wow, we really love folly. Humans love watching it. We love seeing it. There's entire films created around it. That movie grossed like $450 million or something like that. When I was in grad school, uh, first grad program, UCLA, I have to clarify. My car broke down. So I had to rent this huge truck. And I don't like driving pickup trucks for obvious reasons. So I grabbed this pickup truck in Los Angeles. I'm driving it around. I remember I had some friends, and they were like, they were just like, oh, can you use such a cool truck? And, And I wasn't paying attention. The truck was super high, right? So I remember being parked. I was texting while being parked. I look up, my friends are waving, come over. So I, I put the phone away and I start driving and I run over a motorcycle that was right in front of me. So stupid! So foolish. And I remember thinking, oh gosh, oh geez, I'm like, I could probably get away if I just drive. I'm like, no, I shouldn't do that. I'm a Christian. So I left the note. It cost me a thousand bucks. It hurt. It was foolish. It was stupid. When I was in high school, I had a group of friends. And when we got really, really bored, what we'd do is we'd, grab, we'd go in the car and we'd drive around the area, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, and we'd, oh, <laughs> it's not funny. We'd open up the windows and we would just ask people very invasive questions. 
So one time we, were, we rolled down the window and said, hey, did you brush your teeth today? And we'd find another stranger and say, hey, did you uh, use the bathroom? How was that? And we would just do these stupid things, so foolish. You guys know what I'm talking about. We've all done stupid things and we've had moments of folly and typically we explain it away as just being young. But we ask this question, what were you thinking? What was I thinking? You see, there's an attractiveness to folly. Folly can be really captivating. And what I realize as Christians and those who are visiting, one of the most foolish things that we do is we live as if We can have complete joy without God. So foolish. Yet there's something attractive to pursuing a different type of joy. What I call foolish joy. There's something fun about it. There's something exciting. There's something cool about it. There's something where people will do it and we see it and we desire that. Proverbs 15 talks about this. It reads, A wise son... Brings joy to his father and all the fathers. Can I get an amen? But a foolish man despises his mother. Folly brings joy to one who has no sense. But whoever has understanding keeps a straight course. Plans fail for the lack of counsel. But with many advisors... They succeed. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? Wow. I think I've read this passage probably hundreds of times, but I've never really sunk in on that line. Folly can bring joy. Folly brings joy. Joy. And if you're wondering what this word means, folly in Hebrew is pronounced evelet. And if you can see that huge blue part of that, that's as many, that word evelet is translated as folly, which is the majority of times. But if you're, if you're thinking maybe there's a nuance to this word, well, you got foolish or sinful folly is translated as. It's pretty clear what this word means. Scholars are pretty much in unison when they think of this word. But here's what's fascinating. If we continue to read that sentence in that verse, folly brings joy to the one who has no sense, right? So many of you, many of us probably thinking, that's not me, right? That can't be me. I am the most sensical person, reasonable, rational. I do everything right. We all know that's not true. I know that's not true about me. Maybe this might be the first time you're considering that possibility. But I love, again, the Hebrew. And it clarifies this idea of no sense, what that means. And the next slide, it shows... Haser. Can everyone say Haser? 
And this is the word they use for no sense. But what it really is trying to get at, what is communicating the nuance of the word, is needy, lacking in want. There's a deficit. Does that make sense? There's something that this individual feels like they need, and they feel like they can never get it. In other words, Proverbs communicates that folly brings joy to those who are constantly searching for things that they think will fulfill them. They're constantly searching for things that think will make them whole. They're depending, relying, and banking on life circumstances to bring them joy. It's this need to fill this God-sized hole with Everything and anything other than God. Did you know that you can receive joy from folly? Underneath folly, I believe there's this desire to justify ourselves. Because scriptures are clear. In Proverbs, it's very clear. If we go back to the verse, what does it say? Folly brings joy to the one who has no sense, but whoever has, say it with me, understanding keeps a straight course. Now what's fascinating with this is I meet a lot with college students, and I love, I love college students. College students, I love you. You make my job exciting. You see, when I was growing up, it was really easy to think of understanding as one main thing. But I feel like as culture and time has progressed, understanding can mean a lot of things. We, we tend to separate these things into different baskets. We've got mental health in one basket. We've got spiritual health in another basket. We've got physiological health. And we have all these different things that make someone understand who they are. That makes sense? But in Proverbs... Understanding meant one thing. Students, are you listening? It meant one thing. This isn't even my opinion. We read Proverbs chapter 2. My child, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, Turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. Listen up. From his mouth. Come knowledge, and say it with me, and understanding. Woo! I, I didn't say it. It's scripture that said it. So you're telling me, Kenny, that understanding isn't a million different things that culture and society tells me? Well, that's a part of it, but that isn't what scripture is talking about. Well, you're telling me my professor who did, who taught me this and said this, or my kids or my, my parents and all these. Well, it's a part of it, 
but it's not what scriptures are talking about. There's an understanding that God has given us that fills this God-sized hole and makes us have the complete joy that we're looking for. The joy that doesn't burn up and leave us. The joy that doesn't act as a high and then goes away. But the joy that's stable. It's not dependent on life circumstances, but it's it can coexist with any pain or suffering that you're going through. This joy that when I was at the baptism yesterday, I saw in this student making this life change. Complete joy. We're going to have a good friend of mine come up, and he's going to share as he's walking right now on the stage. He's going to share a story, a testimony, for just ways that he's experienced this foolish joy, but how God has shown him that there's a joy that's so much better. So let's give it up for Justice Bell. morning, church. As Kenny said, my name is Justice Bell. I'm a part of the Young Professionals Ministry. And I'm going to share a little bit um, about my testimony. Um, before I do that, I do want to thank Kenny for his message today about Foolish Joy. Um, I think a lot of us could resonate with a lot of what he said. I know I for sure can, um, especially when he said the, foolish, the most foolish thing that you can do is search for joy without God, I mean, think that you could find it in this life without God, because for the first 20 years of my life, that is what I was trying to do, just frantically search for this joy and fulfillment without God, which is interesting because I was always kind of next to God. I was always next to Christians. My family grew up going to church. I went to church every week, but I always saw it as more of a social thing more than a lifestyle thing, um, so when I get to, to middle school and to high school, um, I kind of forget about it. I put it on the back burner because I found other social things to do. And so now church was a little bit less appealing to me. Um, one thing that I struggled with, I think, that I didn't think was a struggle at the time, of course, was that I thought that I would get joy from realizing this idealized version of myself. Um, and what this idealized version of myself was, was someone of status, someone involved in a whole lot of folly, um, as Kenny was talking about, um, things of this nature. So I began obsessing over my social status. I began obsessing over how many friends I had. Um, I got into a lot of foolishness, as Kenny was talking about. I, I began drinking. I began smoking weed. I, I began to chase after women, things of this nature. Um, and I think this all reached a peak at uh, my junior year of college. Uh, my junior year, pretty much everything that I had obsessed over um, it was starting to really become, really define my life. And this is, this is what I thought would validate me. Uh, I was the, the vice president of my fraternity on campus. I was involved in the e-board of the Black Student Association of our school. Um, I felt like I was pretty well known on campus. I was involved in a play. I was just all over the place because, again, thinking that this would give me joy. This would give me meaning. This would, this would fulfill me. 
um, the drinking, the smoking, the, the chasing after women, these, all the folly that, that, um, that you guys can think about was at its peak my junior year. And so my high school self would look at me that year and think, well, you must be ecstatic. You must be really happy, right? Um, it turns out this was probably the most miserable time of my life. Um, no one really knew this because, of course, I wasn't a very open person. This idealized version of myself was someone who had the appearance of having it all together. And so although, you know, I'm involved in all these different things and people would think, you know, I'm just living this great life, um, I wasn't. Uh, it reached a point in November to when I believe I had a panic attack in my room before a big event. Um, you know, it became really hard for me to breathe. I was just stressing over everything. I was uncontrollably crying. And in typical justice fashion at the time, I quite literally looked at myself in the mirror and said, all right, you're good, now go. Um, just put it on the back burner and went to the event with a smile on my face and acted as if nothing was wrong. Um, around this time is when I had my first interactions with the campus ministry. Um, I met Kenny in August, and in typical Kenny fashion, he walks right up to me, and after about two minutes of introducing ourselves, just talking about our major, uh, what we were doing on campus, he goes, hey, let's get lunch sometime. I uh, really want to know your life story. As someone, you know, not a very open person, um, this really, you know, I was pretty taken aback by this. Uh, this guy who I could only tell you, you know, what he was doing at Pepperdine is asking to hear my life story. You know, I never really felt that before, but I could tell that his genuineness and his, um, his, in, his, his intentions were just very pure. And so it kind of drew me to that. Unfortunately, we did not get lunch until like two months after that. All my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we eventually sit down and he talks to me a bit. Um, I begin doing Bible studies um, led by who I was already really good friends with on campus, Kinsey and Josh Vasquez. Um, student Josh Vasquez is a student on campus. Of course, you guys know Kinsey. Um, and so we begin these Bible studies. Uh, it started off more as a courtesy to them because I was, I was friends with them or what I saw as a courtesy to them. They wanted me to show up, so I said, okay. Um, and as I'm going through these, I see the value in it. I see how important it is to their life, but I really only want to take bits and pieces and add it to my own life. I want to try to fit Christianity into the own life, into the already lifestyle that I was living. Uh, obviously, this can't work, um, <laughs> but this is what I try to do. And so, when spring semester comes, my my workload is very much cut almost in half. Um, I became to get a lot more free, and because of that, I said, "Oh well." I must have been miserable because I was so busy. Um, and so because of that, I started to take these Bible studies a little less seriously. Um, I'm beginning to think about telling Kenny and Kenzie and Josh that, you know, maybe this isn't for me. I don't think I want to do this anymore. So I'm planning how I'm going to say this. And then, as you all know, COVID hits. Um, so I thought that this was my out. I thought that, okay, they're going to forget about me. You know, I'm going to be at home. They're going to be, you know, with their family. They're going to be with their ministry and things like that. But by the grace of God, that was not the case. They, um, if anything, ramp up um, how, how intentional they are with me, how, you know, how much they're checking in with me, um, and these Bible studies continue. I'm still really trying to fit it into the already lifestyle that I want to live. I had, I had an issue with always wanting to control my narrative, and I knew that if I really allowed, you know, Christianity and to Jesus to take my heart, that I could no longer control that, and I was scared of that. I think it all shifted one day when my parents found um, a marijuana vaporizer pen that I was using um, because my parents are very 
anti-drug, they're very, you know, old school when it comes to these things. So it wasn't a very uh, pleasurable experience, to say the least. Um, but my mom just looks me in the eye and says, Justice, you're a smart kid. Why are you doing this? And for the first time in my life, talking to my mom, getting in trouble, I couldn't talk my way out of it. I couldn't try to think of a lie to try to, you know, ease her worries or anything like that. I looked her in the eye and said, I don't know. Um, and this really shook me. Uh, I didn't expect to do it, but that day I threw it away. And I was actually on a phone call with Kinsey when she found it. And so I come back and I call him and I tell him, all right, I'm going to give this God thing a shot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to really take this seriously now. I want to, you know, really try. Because everything that I was searching for, I realized this is getting me absolutely nothing. Um, that experience was a clear indication of how it's negatively affecting my life. Um, it's not giving me anything positive. It's not giving me the joy that I'm looking for. And so two months go by, these Bible studies, I'm, I'm, I'm investing a lot into them. I'm really, God is really softening my heart. I can't take credit for it. God's really softening my heart. They're very intentional with me. They're really pouring into me, and I end up getting baptized in May of 2020. And, of course, the... The joy of the Lord is, you know, starting to fill my life. It's starting to, to give me that, that fulfillment that I'm looking for. However, I, had, I still had a lot of these bad habits that I developed um, over the years, and I just brought it into this new Christian life. So I talked a little bit about how I, I would think that I'm going to get this joy by becoming this idolized version of myself. And so now it became this person who never struggled with anything. He was, you know, this, this amazing Christian just doing you know, all these things, never doing anything wrong and things like that. And, of course, I could not measure up to that. And this started to really bring me down. Um, I started to, not started to, but I really struggled with getting open um, with, with brothers and sisters on campus and really sharing my story and really, you know, allowing us to be in this together. However, a verse that I think a lot of us know, Second um, Corinthians 5.17, reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I had read this many times, and I thought that I believed it, but I really didn't. I really didn't believe I was a new creation until uh, the ministry and the brothers and Kenny and everyone that I was now talking to started treating me as such. They weren't worried about what I had been doing. They weren't worried about me being this perfect guy. I realized that, you know, that's not, what, that's not how they saw me, and that's how I thought the world saw me. And that really began to change me. I began to get a lot more open. I allowed myself to, to really just be vulnerable to these guys and share what I was struggling with and, you know, not, not put my value in, in, the, in the works that I was doing and instead just really allow the sacrifice of Jesus to define me, the sacrifice of Jesus to validate me. Because I always struggled with, with finding my validation in other people's opinions, but I realized that if the creator of this world came to this earth and died for me, that's all the validation that I need. And so when I take communion, this is what I think about. I think about that sacrifice. I just think about how validated I am by God that he would come and die for me. And I think that's the most fulfilling joy that I could ever have. Thank you, guys. Isn't Justice great? It's crazy. You guys know what they said about him? They said he would never become a Christian. 
Don't believe what culture tells you. It's so crazy to me. Thanks, Justice, for sharing. So Justice shared his story. Hopefully you can connect with yours. Maybe some of you have come for the first time and you don't really know why you're here. You just showed up. Maybe you've been coming for a while and like Justice said, um, you've been going through some of a, like somewhat of a rough, a rough patch. Um, whatever it is that you're going through, there is a complete joy that God wants for you. There's a complete joy that Jesus died for, for you. And I pray, I hope, I beg you, do not exchange it for foolish joy. It's not worth it. It never is. Before we go into our communion discussion, I thought of some examples I felt like might be pertinent to our community specifically, of examples of foolish joy. Again, this is my opinion. This isn't scripture. It's just my what I've seen, observed, and I'm just going to share quickly before we break into our community discussion. Number one, examples of foolish joy. Finding a false sense of security through prioritizing and surrounding oneself with lukewarm or negative Christians. Pausing for effect. We spend a lot of time, one can spend a lot of time thinking that I'm going to save this individual from their unhealthy and terrible mindset. But only Jesus can save people. We have to be careful that we don't get this high from putting ourselves in environments that hurt our faith. We have ministers to help with those that are looking to get help. Does that make sense, church? Let's not get it twisted. Number two, an inordinate reliance on liberal, liberal, and conservative theology more so than the gospel. And the gospel meaning I am a sinner saved by grace. Jesus sent his son to die for me and I'm compelled to repent. That's what the gospel is. But rather, what I've observed is this inordinate reliance on theology that scholars argue about and have no consensus. And we use that as a pillar for why we do what we do. That is foolish joy. The gospel is our pillar. We're saved by grace. Therefore, we choose, we're inspired, we're compelled to repent and treat others the way Jesus treated them. Amen? Those who may be a little bit older, it's easy, I understand, to look around and think, gosh, I've seen this before, how the church does things. I've seen people like Kenny, young, vibrant, arrogant, I pray that you can be patient with us and not get high of saying, I know better. It's foolish joy. Parents, stop trying to perfect your children. They can never be perfect. Help them see they need to rely on God. Help them see 
that your mistakes won't destroy them, but will make them stronger. They can learn how to fight through it. Professionals, placing your hope in career and money and any significant other. I'm sorry. That girl and that guy, they're cool, but they're not that great. Jesus has to be the center of your heart, the passion, the desire of your being. College students and teenagers, I can actually talk a little bit more authoritatively to you. Think, thinking and living as if you are smarter and more knowledgeable than those older than you. Stop it. You're not. Just because you go to college and you're learning a couple of things doesn't mean you're smarter than the older generation. Doesn't mean you know more because you have an Instagram and you can look at things and read things quickly. Grow up. Be humble. Don't find joy in ignorance. You're better than that. Christ created you for more. Woo, okay, we got through it. We got through it. Discussion questions. How have you pursued foolish joy over complete joy? Number one. Number two, what do you think it will take for you to prioritize the pursuit of complete joy? So what we do in our church is we break into small groups, two or three, maybe four. There's no legalism here. And we talk about these questions for a few minutes. If you're online, if you're on, uh, if you're watching through our YouTube, then please call someone or write down the questions reflecting yourself. If you are new and you feel uncomfortable talking, I understand. But please join a group and just listen and hear what other people in this community are wrestling with and processing. Amen? All right, we'll do this for a couple minutes and then we'll come back and take communion. Alrighty, so um, we're going to close out here. I'm going to read a passage, and and then we will pray for communion. And just want to remind everyone uh, that foolish joy does not understand Christian joy. They're not the same. They don't work the same. One will give you the complete joy that you're looking for, and the other one will lead you astray. First Corinthians, chapter one, verse eighteen. If you have your Bibles, bring it out. If you have your phone, search it up. It reads, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, It is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. 
but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters of the West Side Church, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, As it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for bringing us here this morning. Grateful we get this chance to come before you and evaluate. Where are we at? What's fueling all that we do? Is it the complete joy that we learn from the sacrifice that your son did on the cross? Or is this foolish joy that the world and culture tells us will give us a life of meaning and significance without you? I pray that we leave today remembering your son and how his blood was shed for us on the cross. As we take the juice, we remember just that blood he shed. And we take the bread We remember how his body was beaten and destroyed. We remember just the complete joy that he exemplified on earth and that he believes that we all can have if we follow. If we learn from him, if we choose to become a disciple of him. Lord, I pray for us not to get it twisted. Foolish joy will lead us astray. It'll feel good for a while, but then we're only going to be looking for more and more. I pray that we choose complete joy. We choose your son. I love you. And I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.